It is 2.50 p.m. on Saturday, February 9th, 2019. This is the LDS Live podcast. I'm Kevin Williams. You know, it's been over a year since I've done a podcast, and it's time to get back into it. Uh, Where I've been for a year. Well, have I had a dramatic experience over the last year? Let me just tell you some things. And uh, Oh, by the way, Jana Lee is uh, my co-host for this podcast. How are you, Jana Lee? I am doing good, Kevin. I feel really honored that you would have me be your first co-host after a year. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, I, uh, you know, it's interesting. I had people pushing me to get back into podcasting uh, right before I left Arkansas, and they didn't even hear the podcast. I guess that shows you that maybe the podcast shall live on, and I'm okay with that. Well, uh, you're good. You have a reputation, so. Yeah. Um. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's been dramatic. Let me just tell you what's been happening, and I'll just be open and honest about everything. Um, I went to Arkansas to World Services for the Blind back in, well, last year. That's why I didn't tell anybody where I was going on the podcast, because I didn't need speculation, and you know how that goes. So I just, uh, I didn't even have a farewell or anything. I just kept the podcast up and running. Well, I went to uh, Arkansas, and let me tell you something. I had a very dramatic experience. I did not have a very good flight on the way to Arkansas at all. Um, What happened? Well, I was in a very bad state of mind. I was really sick. Um, I, I even went to the doctor the night before because I wasn't sure that it was a good idea to be going on the plane to Arkansas. And the doctor said, oh, you're fine. You're just finishing the stages of your cold. And I said, you don't understand. I'm losing my appetite. I don't feel good. I'm cold all the time. And he just kept insisting that I, I'm fine. And, of course, I didn't really believe him. But you have to understand, too, number one, I had to get there as soon as I could because I had already pushed my date back for uh, medical reasons. I had to stay in Salt Lake. Um, so I was supposed to leave on the 6th of February. I had to push it back on the 9th and I couldn't do anything about it. Second of all, I just had this feeling I needed to get there as soon as I could, regardless of how I was feeling. So I really put this in the Lord's hands when I got on the plane and it was a miserable plane ride. I was cold. I was wearing my hat and I was wearing a mask so I wouldn't get other people sick. It was bad. But what was worse than that was when the plane was landing in Atlanta, Georgia for my layover, I'm not kidding, Janelle, I nearly lost my hearing. I could still hear, but a lot of it was muffled. You had to be next to me. You know how the PA, the pilot talks over the PA. I can hear that pretty well, but I could barely hear it. And I thought, I talked to the passenger next to me. I said, I don't think I'm going to last. My hearing's going to last. And she said, oh, it's just cold. I said, I hope so. She gave me some Benadryl to take, uh, which don't ever take Benadryl on a flight because you'll just get really sleepy and then you land and you just, you're not, you're not with it. I I did that once. I don't want to need to do it again. And then to make matters worse, when I got to Arkansas, it was rainy, it was cold, and I had to wait for about two hours in a wheelchair. I usually don't take a wheelchair from the airport, from the plane, 
to the gate or wherever. I just walked, but because my hearing wasn't that good, I just accepted the wheelchair because it was either that or get lost. And I think, Janelle, you'd probably get the wheelchair. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I got a wheelchair ride last year. Um, this lady was really nice to me. I'd had a bad day, and she knew that it was really tricky to catch a connecting flight. And so oh. she ordered a wheelchair for me. So I kind of oh. had to fake like I had disabilities, <laughs> like okay. I couldn't walk or something. And yeah. a guy met me and oh gave me a gosh. wheelchair and he pushed me in a wheelchair so oh. I wouldn't miss my flight. So that was my experience in a, in a wheelchair. So I gave him yeah. a nice tip. Well, what's interesting about this is I got to Arkansas. I got settled into my dorm. Of course, I was so sleepy and tired. I just ate dinner and crashed. But interestingly enough, the first thing I noticed, I was not cold anymore. The second thing I noticed is my appetite came back once I got to Arkansas, which I still to this day can't figure out. Now the only thing that was bad is my hearing. So I just went to sleep and uh, woke up the next day and debated for hours whether I should go see a doctor or not. Called my brother because he's a dentist and someone in the medical field. He was really adamant that I not go. But when you're blind, you don't want to lose your hearing. That's, you just don't. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. You could do a, unless you want to do a Helen Keller. Oh, yeah. Like, was she, what would she, was she, um, gosh, you know, like, are there politically correct words to say for being blind and deaf? Your uh, hearing challenged it's and interesting. sight impaired. I'm actually in the National Federation of the Blind. And you oh. might be surprised to know that we do not like the word visually impaired. Oh, you don't? Because... No, and the reason for that is because, believe it or not, there is actually a law that defines blindness. Kenneth Jernigan, who was the Martin Luther King of blind people, was very mm -hmm. smart and was working with uh, senators and congressmen back in D.C. to give us benefits like Social Security and such. And Kenneth Jernigan and whoever he was working with found out that they had to define blindness. And so I, I don't know what the I don't know what it is off the top of my head. But no, we are actually very discouraged to using the word visually impaired. In fact, I went to uh, training life skills training in Louisiana back in 2004. And if you use the word visually impaired, oh, they would give you an earful. Let me tell you, I made oh. that mistake once, didn't do it again. I guess because it just sounds so final, you know, like you're blind. Yeah. That means you can't see. That's rude. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess that's what yeah. they think. Like, I guess if somebody has a disability, we don't dare say, you're blind. So, yeah. So, was Helen Keller, was she deaf and blind? Yeah, she was. Yep. Now, was unfortunately, in the mute, too. Is that all goes together, right? Yeah. Mm hmm. I mean, I well, think okay, Helen like, could is... talk, though, couldn't she? I think she could talk. If I um. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of politically incorrect words, that would be um, blind, deaf, and dumb, remember? Yeah. I think if you couldn't talk, they would say you were dumb. Yeah, there's a song right? that talks about that, uh, Tommy by The Who. Do you remember that? Oh, no, I don't. What is the, they talked about uh, being It talks about this dumb. deaf, blind, and dumb guy playing dumb, meaning he couldn't talk, for those of you that don't know. He was playing uh, pinball, and he was a good pinball player, so... And I, I think it's a fictitious story, but The Who made a rock and roll opera about it. And one of the songs that was played on the radio was Tommy, about how he played the mean pinball and never was distracted by the bell. It was a pretty good song, actually. There's two versions of it. 
Oh, so that's what that's about. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's always I I never listen I never listen to words of music. Isn't that weird? But yeah, I, I don't either. Unless someone brings it to my attention, but it's uh, mm -hmm. back to Arkansas. My brother just said, "Oh, you don't need to go to the doctor. It'll pass." But you know, like I said, you don't want to be blind and deaf. That's that's just a recipe for torture, lack of a better word. So I went to the doctor, and it's a good thing I did, because come to find out, I had an ear infection. My eardrum was uh, uh, bulging out. I thought, oh. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't want to go to the doctor, because, I don't know, maybe it's me. I feel like whenever I go to the doctor, I feel like I'm being neurotic and being worried about things that aren't there. But in this case, I'm glad I went. And oddly enough, you may be uh, surprised about this. They gave me penicillin, which I thought was weird because mm -hmm. I thought penicillin was non-existent these days. Sure enough, it worked really good. After my second and a half day of taking it, I got all my hearing back and was feeling great. It was it was quite interesting. Wow. So I guess penicillin is still kind of the a wonder drug of some, you know, I think yeah. That's pretty amazing. Oh, it is. Now, my friend had a theory. He said, well, maybe the medical field's not corrupt in Little Rock because it's a small enough town or whatever. It could be. Mm -hmm. um, although I asked my brother, he said that he wasn't surprised that they gave me penicillin. I'm just glad that, uh, I guess the moral of the story is, I'm glad I listened to those feelings and come to find out, I know exactly why I was supposed to be there when I was there. My dad passed away two weeks later. Oh, wow. And so, and the th thing is, is I wanted to leave in March. I didn't want to leave in February. Uh, number one, I was sick. Number two, it just seemed like a big rush to get ready in February. But there was also part of me that wanted to get out of my parents' house as soon as I could. And so I was considering all these things. And I thought, you know what, the better, the sooner I leave, the better. Had I waited... I could have gone, but it would have been a lot harder for me to adjust and everything. I was right at I was at the right place while my dad was passing away. I wasn't in the middle of any commotion. I was right where I needed to be, concentrating on studying. I came back to my dad's funeral, spent a week with my family, went right back out. Had I waited for another week and got there, I'd have just had to turn right back again. So, Jana Lee, what do you make of uh, all this uh, that I told you? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm glad that you're not uh, blind and deaf. You might be dumb though. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can we kill, still make jokes like that? People would always oh, yeah. say that to me. You know, like you're you're well. First of all, dumb blonde. You know, I just go. I I I told uh, you know there you can't even tell jokes anymore people get offended so yeah. here's my here's my thing like you can't tell black jokes you can't tell ethnic jokes you can't tell mormon prophet jokes you can't tell or i should say the church of jesus christ of latter day saints yeah we're going to get into that jokes. too anyway carry on yeah. and and pope jokes and and so you can't tell jokes anymore and so, but the only kind of jokes you can tell are blonde jokes. And so I take it all. I take it for everybody because it's okay if, if you tell blonde jokes, you know, blondes are just so dumb. Yeah. So I can take it. You can tell all the blonde jokes you want and I will laugh at them because I think they're funny. 
<laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I take all the abuse from everybody that you can't tell jokes about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just glad that I paid attention to what I was feeling because um, I think the Lord was with me the whole way through, regardless of my traumatic experience getting to Arkansas and my first day in Arkansas. Very unpleasant, but I got through it and uh, ended up really having a good time. Yeah, I had to come back for my dad's funeral, but you know what? I actually applied for a job out there in Arkansas. I didn't get it, but I loved Arkansas, even though it is Bill Clinton country. Yeah, um, that's true. I, I don't know why I didn't think of it, but I have a friend in Arkansas. I should have had to go see her, but I mean, doesn't everybody know everybody in Arkansas? But I do know, like I looked it up, they make like good barbecue sauce. They've got some really good um, food that's kind of part of the Arkansas culture. So yeah. what would, did you know? Did you notice that like good food there? Well, I will tell you this. Um, the thing that I noticed the most, people were just down to earth in Little Rock and especially out mm -hmm. in the country. Mm -hmm. And something that I took notice, and I'm just going to use the proper term here so I don't get in trouble, the African-American women were very friendly, especially those that were, oh, I'd say maybe 35 and up. I don't know why, but they were very friendly. Oh. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very good experience. I loved the food in Arkansas and in the South and... The only thing I did not like about it was the inconsistency of weather. Now, some of it's you might It's so warm there right now, isn't it? I've heard well, it's warm. Yeah, but one day it can be 30 degrees. The next day it can be 50. The next day it can be 70. The next day it'll drop back down to 40. Oh. Yeah, you're oh, wow. having to monitor the weather. Uh, but I'd rather have that than up here in Montana where I'm at now in Billings where the weather is brutally cold, although yesterday it was finally warm in the 20s, but the sun was out, so it was mm -hmm. actually quite nice. Uh, but, yeah. and uh, Now, I went to Arkansas so that I could get a certification in adaptive technology instruction so I could teach adaptive technology to blind people, and I have not found a job yet. But I'm not kidding, Janelle. People were saying, you need to get you back in your podcast. Some, some of them haven't even heard the podcast. You need to get back into podcasting. You have a passion about radio, which is true. I just haven't figured out how to make money in radio, and I need to make money somehow. So until I figure out how to make money on this podcast and get a good fan base, then I need a good job in the meantime. So are you at your, like, a specialty at what? Adaptive technology. So, for example, oh. your iPhone has voiceover. It has a screen reader built in. Did you know that? No. I. Well, do you have to have an iPhone? I have a Samsung. Oh, I thought, okay. Well, your Samsung might too, because they started putting in built-in screen readers to see in Samsung's. I can't remember the name of it, but you can oh, always okay. uh, talk back which works kind of like voiceover to my understanding. I'm not as familiar with the Droid as I am with the iPhone. Uh-huh. So that's, it reads all of your text to you, right? Yeah. Yep, it does that. You can call people. You can browse the web. Pretty much everything. Now, obviously, with the problem with Google, 
some applications you cannot use with a screen reader because it's open source and the regulations aren't as tight as they are with the iPhone. The iPhone has very strict regulations, partly because of accessibility for blind people. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. So let me just tell you a little bit before we really get into this podcast about my dad. Um, because I've never talked about him out here. Not that I have any animosity towards him, because I don't. Uh, the subjects never never just come up. I try not to talk much about my family out here on the podcast, just for their protection. Uh-huh. Uh, you know how that goes, being in radio yourself. I'm sure you probably follow yes. the rules. Yes, I'm protective. Yeah. Um, however, well, yeah, actually, didn't Kyle2k call you the mama grizzly bear? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Anyway, um, I will I will tell you this. My dad and I had a really good relationship when I was a kid, especially from the age of 11 up until I was 13 and a half. And then some things happened when I was 13 and a half. I don't know if I should share them. I'll think about it. But I will tell you from 13 and a half till probably – Gosh, into my early 30s, we didn't have the greatest relationship. I, I, I'll be very open about that. Oh, hmm. In fact, there was one time hmm. when I was 24, we got in a big fight over my future, about me going to Louisiana, and about what I'm going to major in in college. We were yelling at each other. My dad kept interrupting me, and I really was preparing for us to get into a fist fight. That's how bad the argument was getting. Finally, I said something to my dad, and he just walked away, and I can't say that we made up after that, not then, but uh, I guess you could say we kind of tolerated each other. Uh I was still living with my dad for financial reasons. We kind of just, we would do small talk, talk about politics. Well, even then I was a Democrat, but I was more of a conservative Democrat, so oh, uh-huh. we were somewhat okay talking about politics a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could talk about uh, people we know to an extent, but to be honest, uh, some things happened when I was in my early 30s that forced my dad and I to come closer together. Now, that doesn't mean that I agree with everything that he did or whatever, but we I uh-huh. definitely had a better understanding of him and gosh i i appreciate the fact that we were able to mend things and forgive each other and move on because how would you feel janelee if your dad died and you still had hard feelings towards him or your mom yeah i would feel bad i know there's um there are people that their dads die and they don't even go to the funeral or that would that would just be horrible because i adored my dad my dad was a world war ii um, he, I call him a World War II hero. He was in the Navy, and oh wow! So yeah, um, yeah, and I, I he pampered me, and I deserved it. So yeah, it would be anyway. I'm glad that you were able to make amends before he passed on. How old was he? Um, good question. I think he was 73, if I remember correctly. Oh. Yeah, so he had a pretty good long life, I guess. 13, 
No, you know what? He was okay. He was seventy-four going on to seventy-five. That's right. Okay. Uh huh. But my dad lived a very good life, and uh, part of the reason why I think we clashed so bad, especially in my early twenties, is my mom and I had a very good relationship, and I think it was just hard for my dad to walk into that relationship. That that was part of it. Mm-hmm. And I am not like my brother. I have when I decide something, I'm going to do it where my dad could have easily talked my brother out of something and he would conform to my dad where I had my own idea. And once I made up my mind, that was final. I, it didn't matter what huh. he told me. Mm-hmm. And some cases that served me well. Other cases, I wish I would have listened, but uh, we all go through that, I'm sure. And so I just, uh, the, the two big lessons I learned in Arkansas were listen to the Lord and forgiveness because believe me, I had to do a lot of forgiving in Arkansas, not just with my dad. And that, that was done before I left. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. But just with other people, doesn't mean I'm their best friend, but I just, gosh, you talk about politics around blind people and especially around African Americans in Arkansas where I was anyway, it was real divisive and they'd call you, bad names for being a Trump fan. I just kind of made a rule after a while. I wouldn't talk politics unless I was really close to somebody in Arkansas. I Arkansas is a small state, I guess, but it's kind of a Democrat state, but it's a little bit Republican because they had... Yeah, once you get out of Little Rock, that's true. But the problem uh-huh. is there are not very many blind conservatives out there. I am definitely in the minority. I wouldn't even consider myself a Tea Party or John Bircher, but I am definitely more conservative than a lot of blind people. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that's that's good. Do they, what are they? Why? What's their deal? Like, why aren't well, they? Well, because historically, the Democrats have been very quick to give blind people things like more social security, like the ADA, and things like that. And okay. so there is that aspect. And then my mom actually mm-hmm. told me a story. And uh, back when I was a Democrat, I think my mom was trying to teach me a lesson. Unfortunately, being the stubborn 23-year-old that I was, 22, I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she told me this story. I was uh, born in 1980, and I'll be 39 this year, April 11th. And my mom told me, obviously, that was the year President Reagan got elected. My mom told me this story that a few months after President Reagan got elected, a social worker came to my house, came to our house, said, President Reagan's going to make life hell for your son. He won't get this, this, this. And she just started naming me. Really? Yeah. And my mom just looked the social worker in the eye and said, Kevin is going to be just fine, and if these programs go away, it won't hurt him to work a little harder. And my mom told me the social worker looked really dumbfounded and left. Wow, that's really guess interesting. What? President Reagan didn't do anything to the blind community as far as making it worse. So there you go. Well, good for you for not falling for the the money, you know, the lure of money. I had a friend in a wheelchair. And I nicknamed her Hell on Wheels because she was she was Hell on Wheels, and she was also <laughs> conservative. 
and and pro-gun as a matter of fact and she got quite a bit of flack for being a conservative disabled person because they want to stay they want to stay victims and she didn't ever want to be a victim she did everything that a quote normal person you know could do in fact i think she did more and every day she she had to have somebody get her out of bed she was on all these pain meds but she would oh, help wow. somebody every day and she would fly by herself and you well you probably i don't know if you've heard about disabled rights action committee because that would probably include blind people and they go lobby Sounds for familiar. rights for people with disabilities being blind is certainly a disability in fact i'm you know i'm thinking it's one you know probably i, I would say maybe the worst I don't know because you can't see anything. Um, so, but she, I mean, don't you think? I don't know. Like, no, I you can't see anything, it's hard to function. I think being deaf would be worse because at least being blind, I can talk and communicate. Yeah. Being deaf, I could probably see and be deaf, but even that would be bad because then I'd have a hard time talking and I'd have to get really close to someone to read their lips and so forth. Yeah, so, well, you have a great radio voice and you're really good at that. So good for you for being conservative and, and not uh, being a forever victim like the left wants to do. They want to make everybody into a victim, oh, yeah. make them helpless, and we're not helpless. That's part of what makes America great is our desire to succeed. And we, you know, we want to be able to do things on our own, but I think the mentality is people want the government just to hand them anything. They want something for nothing. And that's the way it is. Like we have to make three times as much money now because we we basically support three other families. So to get to really get ahead in, in life, like for example, like a hundred thousand dollars, it used to be a lot of money. People would think you were rich, but it's not now because after taxes you really only make about Thirty to forty thousand, and if even a family of four can't live on forty thousand a year, it's poverty yeah. level. Yeah, um, that's true. Well, I guess we'll have to get our mind off politics for a bit. We'll come back to it though. Um, Jana Lee, there's been a lot of changes in the church since I've been to Arkansas, and I've been following it because thanks to the internet. I guess the first thing I want to get into is how do you feel about two-hour church? Um, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> oh, okay. See, so I, I have I, a different opinion. I like the three-hour really? clock. Yeah, I do. I love. How could you like that? I wow, that's interesting. Because I felt like we got a whole lot done in three hours that we just can't get done in two hours. It just seems like you go to church, you're in a rush now, and you're home. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, okay. I don't know. I just felt like we got a lot done in three hours. Yeah, that's definitely true. I don't know if you've ever had to wrestle kids for three hours. No, I haven't. But, um, you know, it. I, I can't believe the church grew as much as it did in three hours. Short, shortly after they announced two hours of church, I'd actually been praying. I'm not kidding. I was kind of praying for two-hour church because every week I'd go, I can't do three-hour church anymore. It's too long. And I, you know what, 
the, the year you were born, I think you said 1980, that was the year that they started three-hour church. Yes, so, March of 1980. I don't know the exact date. I do know it was in the month of March, though. Yeah, so we actually liked it back then because back in the old days, you're a, you're a young pup. What we would go, would start in the morning for not we we women don't have the priesthood, but you know the priesthood people, mm-hmm. with men I should say priesthood people are men, and so my dad would take my brothers to priesthood first, maybe seven or eight in the morning, and then they'd come home. For an hour and then we'd have Sunday school for an hour and a half and then we'd go home so if we had Sunday school from 10 30 to, to 12 and then we would go back usually at four or five or six for another hour and a half so we basically we had three-hour church but it was just split up and it was really hard to do it that way you know can you imagine like why did they do it that nice? way do you know well because three hours is a long time no, but we why actually spread it out so much like that. I maybe well, I think that kind of uh, most churches, so-called traditional churches, um, Protestant churches, I guess. I I believe they would just have you, you just, just see a sign on their church. It'll say, "Come join us for Sunday school worship." So they have Sunday school on Sunday, and and then maybe their other meeting. It, would be later or something that's what i th- I think it was just kind of the way they did things maybe even since the beginning of church i don't know i'll have to look that one up but we actually liked it on fast sunday on fast sunday they would combine everything so we would i always i would say we get church over with <laughs> that bad to say get church over with early and now it's on fast sunday so that people could go home and and eat so we all rejoiced actually when we got to just have a three-hour block and so i was i'd always say you know i don't know how how can anybody become a member of the the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints especially when they find out like what three-hour church oh believe me my my best friend is a non-member I can't even get oh, her really? to the two-hour church block. Yeah. Oh wow, wow, yeah. So, but so I was just understand. Uh, my best friend is a yellow, but we won't go there. You, you probably He's know a what? Yellow. <laughs> That's probably. Well, if it's the yellow I'm thinking of, that might be politically incorrect. So no, I don't know. yellow is later. a free-spirited person. Who, oh, yellow. Oh, yeah. yellow. Yeah. Right. I'm yellow, and I go to church. Oh, so, I just know a lot of yellows who are very free-spirited. They have a hard time concentrating. The fun is their main motive. They always have to go somewhere. And those <laughs> are the people that have a very hard time with life. Uh, so, oh. Yeah. No wonder I have issues. <laughs> I have to. No, because I mean, I'm like, I'm a total yellow, but I have discipline. But now I know why it's so hard. But uh, I think being being a member of the church makes you that way. We have so yeah. many rules, right? Yeah, although <laughs> so, I, I, don't know, I know members who are yellows that struggle. Uh, I, I don't want to mention names out here, but I, I can mention a, a name off the top of my head. I just know yellows that struggle because they're always 
living in the moment. They're not thinking of long-term. They're not thinking, whatever, what if this happens? Oh, I'm on this date, but what's going to happen in the next few months? They're, they're just living in the moment. And um, I'm telling you, they have a hard time with life. Now, I don't know. I haven't been around you enough to know. I, you don't, you don't, you don't uh, come across to me as someone that's yellow. Um, well, I was class clown. I mean, don't really? you pretty much have to be yellow to be a class clown. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, but I, was, I was also in the top 10, so kind of balanced out. But, but I will tell you that I, I believe it's because I am a member of the church that helps me to be able to control my impulses and, and like to do all the things that yellow people want to do. Sure. Um, it's always been, so it's the anchor in my life. And that's why I'm still a member of the church when uh, sometimes it's hard. Because oh, yeah. the three-hour church got to be really hard for me. So I didn't think, like, how could anybody even join the church? So the next week during Sunday school, which is my favorite part of all of church, um, the 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 teacher gave a lesson and she was just outlining the growth of the church. And believe it or not, Kevin, the most growth happened during three hour church. So I raised my hand and said, what, how did people, how did, how could you, how could missionaries convince anybody to join the church? Because, you know, three hour church, it's hard enough for me. And I'm, I'm a diehard. I'm dedicated. Yeah. I'm a, I'm kind of a Molly Mormon because I'm related yes. to Joseph Smith. My maiden name is Smith. So, um, so as much as, as I have a testimony and believe it, like I still have like, Oh my gosh, three hour church. So, so she said, the teacher said, you know, when you're, when you believe in something, um, you'll go and you, you commit to things that you believe in. So I think it's pretty awesome that people did join the church and they, they were committed enough to make a, a three-hour change, you know, going from no church to three hours. Three-hour classes in college are the 400-level classes. Do you remember that? Uh, you know, I only got a bachelor's degree, and there is no way I would stay in a three-hour class. I had a two-hour class in college once, and that was enough for me. Oh, but I, yeah, I had a couple of three-hour classes, and I have a, a bachelor's degree. Oh, but okay. but it was the four hundred, yeah, because four hundred level would be, you know, your your upper, I guess your your senior, in, you know, when you get a bachelor's, hmm. three hour I classes. Guess, but yeah, those were killers. So church was like a a three hour advanced college class. Interesting. Now you said that you liked the three hour. What made you dislike the three hour block? I I know I'm in the minority because I if I had it my way, we would go back to three hours. Honestly. Oh, I'm glad you're not the prophet. Okay. <laughs> um, it it got it just got to, for me to be too hard to sit there, and especially if you have anything else. Hey, the the leadership in churches they probably have seven hour church, you know, by the time it's all done. But if you have choir practice, which I'm always in choir, mm -hmm. I either sing or play the piano and or the organ. So they're at an extra hour on require practice. And it's just like, I, my mind started to be like, I just couldn't absorb more after four hours, like, oh my God, or three, you know, like, 
okay, I can, I just can't do it. And then I went to, last year, my daughter had a baby on Sunday at the hospital in Murray, Utah, and they actually had a service to go to, and it was a half hour. And oh, wow. I got so much out of that. It was even best a testimony meeting. Oh, my gosh. And, and it was like I even remember the testimonies. I think they were short enough that I could just remember. And then I also played the piano for a um, – this, this is a real testimony builder for me, is that the older our society gets, the more people are living in assisted living or care centers. So in Utah, with such a large LDS, oh, I, I can't get used to it still, LDS or Mormon. I guess a large church population, they have a, a lot of assisted living or special care or like Alzheimer care um, clinics where they, they'll call a branch presidency to go and administer to these people who can't attend regular church, unable to leave the facility. So as the population ages, there's going to be a lot more church callings for couples to go and be branch presidents at these facilities. So as part of, so part of that is um, I played the piano for a, a care facility in South Jordan. So that adds, you know, 45 minutes, but, but those meetings are 45 minutes long and I love it. it. That was before we started the one hour sacrament meetings. And, and I started just like praying like, oh, please, you know, like, can we have 45 minute sacrament meetings? It's interesting and, that you, oh, go ahead. Oh, and I love it. That's what I say. Like, I just, I love it. I, I'm able to retain more because that's it. We're done. Mm -hmm. By the time you're done with sacrament and then you go to Sunday school and Relief Society, like my brain's just done. But you're yeah. a young pup and maybe you can handle it better. I guess because I'm looking at it from a social standpoint as well, because there are certain people that I only see at church, especially being out in the mission field. Uh, I just felt like three hours was good enough. The, part of it, too, which we'll get into here in a few minutes, there was such negativity at the school that I went to that I just loved being away from that place sometimes as much as I could, which brings me into another topic. It's interesting that you mentioned the old church schedule because I obviously do not remember it. I was just a little infant. and No, I wasn't born at all. No, I was born after the changes. Never mind. <laughs> I was born. Well, you knew about it up in heaven. I guess you were watching. <laughs> yeah. You you wanted it. You you had ties. You said, hey, but I it, want three hour church. It's interesting though because I actually have some good friends in Arkansas that are Baptists, and I hung out with them quite a bit. Oh wow! And interesting. I went to their church service on occasion because again it was. I just, the environment at that school was very toxic at times, and I just called my friends, and I want to go to your evening church service. Can you come get me? And we ended up having a good friendship. And, but it's interesting because I actually spent the whole day with him on a Sunday once with him and his family just to see what it was like. And we went to church in the morning at 10 o'clock, and the service was about a half, an hour and a half, 
And then in the South, it's very common for Baptists, well, maybe other religions too, but Baptists to go out for Sunday dinner. And, in, you know, I, I don't want to condemn the other oh, South. Oh, man, I know. I wish that was Mormon tradition. If there was any day I would ever want to eat out, it would be Sunday. Yeah. Especially three-hour church, because you're just wiped out by the time three-hour church is over. Oh, I know <laughs> some people who are church members that eat out on Sunday, believe it or not. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sister. I guess they're uh, not orthodox. Eat out on Sunday. And it, oh, Wow. I don't know. Maybe it's just the purest of me. I, I don't like it because I just know we're supposed to keep the Sabbath day holy. But these uh, Baptist friends of mine, we went out to, for dinner on Sunday because that's just what they do. And I'm not going to say they're Sabbath breakers or whatever. They have their own way of doing it. That's their business. But I went out to eat with them and we came back to their to their house and pretty much just sat on the couch and talked and watched TV or whatever. And then we went back to church again because uh, he was the choir director of his church. So he had to be there by about five thirty, five forty-five. So we went, we all went back to church again. And these people are very ardent about what they believe in extremely. Now these are independent uh-huh. Baptists, which I learned there's a difference between the first Baptist, the independent Baptist, whatever. These are very, very, I would call them Orthodox Christians. Very traditional. For example, the women have to wear long hair. The women have to wear skirts. Very, really? very traditional. Oh, yeah. They're the Baptists? Very, mm-hmm. Yeah, because wow, they're, not, that's uh, they're not Southern Baptists. They, the Independent Baptist uh-huh. Church. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned that schedule because that's a schedule. They, they do church in the morning, church in the evening, and then they go to church throughout the whole week, and they're extremely devoted. Uh, it almost sounds like, like you said, a traditional LDS church because obviously you had church activities during the week before March of 1980. So uh, what would you say to uh, my friend's church schedule, who's a Baptist? Um. It's it's good to have a reminder because I've been aware, you know, that they, they have additional Bible studies and stuff during the week. So yeah. as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, hey, maybe was maybe three-hour church wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just, you know, in the big blocks of maybe we'll, I don't know, maybe we'll get more people, but or maybe we'll get less. The one thing that three-hour church did is it does completely convert you because you're completely immersed in it. As, as a parent, until your child goes to nursery, it's very difficult for three-hour church. But after that, it's actually pretty easy. And yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, like... Primary class. Yeah. Well, well kids love church. Not, I, not only because... I loved church as a kid. Yeah. I, I think that... I mean, why did you like it so much? I would... I just think, first of all, having served in primary for so many years you know playing the piano and teacher and all that mm-hmm. they they feel close to christ like they love jesus and the other part is that they love their teachers primary is a blast and it's easy to understand i i can easy i can understand primary concepts pretty easy mm-hmm. and they they pamper them like the, the adults they pamper primary kids so the kids are in primary are probably pretty sad because now it's only a half hour of class time and then a half hour of singing and like other 
activities. So, well, I'll be honest. Uh, I loved church as a kid. I, there's, there's nowhere I wanted to be other than church. I hated school as a kid too. And right, I that's so loved, cool. I loved church as a kid, and obviously, when I got into my teens, that all changed. But we won't go there. Well, not now, anyway. But yeah. When I, <laughs> oh no! I think we should go into it. <laughs> oh, I just. I didn't want to be at church, you know, if my parents weren't active in church, I wouldn't be here. I'd be home sleeping or I'd be home out raising hell with friends or whatever. Well, I, um, wow, that's, I, that's an unknown side of you I did not know about. So. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was not an angel in junior high. We'll talk about that another, on another podcast. But <laughs> I can't imagine that. you having a wild side. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when I, it's interesting. The reason I liked church as a kid is, well, maybe what you said. I didn't think of it in those terms as a kid, but I just hated school, and church was a way to get out, get out of school. That was most of it. And then the lessons I learned at church just made sense. I remember thinking about how do I do this, 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 and I'd learn it at church, and I thought, oh, it makes sense. It just made sense. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, even beyond that, I was thinking about this today, and then we'll get into some other topics. Um, I was thinking about this today. Do you remember, now I'm from Eastern Oregon, so I'm a, we're in a place where, oh, there's quite a bit of members in Eastern Oregon, but not as many as Utah. Do you remember a radio station called KUTR? They're still on the air in Salt Lake on uh, AM820. Do you remember the original oh, really? KUTR? Cuter, cuter. Um no, what what's on the number KUTR on the dial? KUTR was a radio station in the mid '80s, and I don't know when they aired. Their first date was, but they were in the mid '80s. They played LDS church music. Oh. And then I found out about it. Let's see, it would have been 1987 is when I found out about it. So I was seven years old and. The reason I knew about it is because my sister, when we'd go down to Salt Lake, she'd say, let's turn it to the Mormon station. That's what we called it because we didn't know what else to call it. And the first thing I remember, this was in the summer of 87, there was a fireside that they were broadcasting. And I remember just being real intrigued with the fireside. And I remember telling all my member friends about it when I got home and I didn't really understand it. I just remember being intrigued about it because it was like church being broadcasted over the radio. And then when I'd go down, I used to listen to the station because I loved uh, back then LDS church music. And I think a lot of it was because me being LDS, I thought I had to like it because we are LDS. And we have to embrace everything the LDS culture did. So there was that part, but I, I genuinely liked it. I don't know how you felt about LDS music back then or whatever, but kind of going back to being a kid loving church. Yeah, they, there was a guy named Ron Williams in the early 80s, and this was when he kind of started the new trend of kind of rock music with good words because he was, he, he listened to rock growing up. As kids, we were told, don't listen to rock because it, it's devil music, which oh, yes. is really mild compared to what's out there now. But I, oh, yeah. me, me, I'm a musician, so I, I don't really like. I'm all about the music. Um, the words don't really affect me. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But so he, 
So he just, he made up songs and they're rock songs and he put good words to them. And I still remember like, look out world, get ready, get ready. Cause I'm coming through. And it was a rock beat. And oh, wow. uh, there was one called, let's see. I don't care. Okay. Um, let's see if, if she cooks or sews. <laughs> Anyways, this is a song about Miss Wright. So it was, it was really, I'll, I'll to, I got, you know, I'm going to find a cassette tape and get you one. <laughs> or well, if, if he has any links online, uh, I'll let you know. I think you'd like his music. I might. He be in kindergarten and. Was he a Christian rock singer or what? He was Mormon. Oh, at, okay. Yeah, member of the church, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, he's a real handsome guy and he had really good uh, rock band, so. Oh, well. Interesting. Well, uh, just to make it further, when I was, so one uh, Christmas time, 1987, I went down to Salt Lake. Actually, it was a few days after Christmas. To but down, up. what, from which, Jordan? Uh, no, this is when I lived in Eastern Oregon. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a few days, let's see, it was actually New Year's Day. I went down to Salt Lake. Uh, so it would have been 88, January 1st of 88, to pick up my cousin because she was going to come live with us, and she did for a few years. We went and got her. And I remember listening to the Mormon station, is what we called it, uh, KUTR AM 860. And when I got back to Eastern Oregon, a few weeks later, my mom gave me some headphones so that uh, – because she knew that I liked to listen to the radio, so she gave me some headphones, and I had one of those ghetto blasters from the mid-'80s. And I was downstairs. I those. Yeah, I was downstairs. And, yeah, they say what you want, but some of those ghetto blasters actually had very good AM reception, believe it or not. Really good, better than today. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was downstairs. Incidentally, I had one of the cheaper ones. But anyway, I was down in my basement in a, what we called the playroom, uh, thinking I was really neat for having these headphones. And what did I find? I thought it was at first a Mormon station because it had a preacher broadcasting, much like that fireside I heard that summer. I found out mm -hmm. soon enough it wasn't an LDS church, but I found myself listening to the Christian station quite a bit because, again, things just made sense. So, yeah, I loved church as a kid. Well, that's really cool. That's really nice to know. I would hope that there are a lot of kids feel that way. I know that my husband went on his mission and he would tell little kids about Jesus. They just really wanted to learn about Jesus. And a lot of parents don't let their children learn about Jesus. And I think that's really sad because they, yeah. they're just kind of like Jesus is kind of a, like a, I don't know, like a, a big superstar or something, you know, like a friend yeah. that they have and that they, to hear little kids bear testimonies. I don't know if you go to a single sport or you have uh, little kids. I like, have, I don't know, but I used to. Um, do, are, do the little kids get up and bear their testimonies in the ward that you're not, in? Not so much. No. In fact, I rarely hear little kids get up anymore. It seems like they did oh. when I was a kid or I don't know. Maybe the trend has changed or something. Um, yeah, well, in our ward, like, they, there's, like, five or six little kids that always jump up and bear their testimony. And, and they, oh, like, they really, 
Oh, you were? You were one of those? Yes, but I, I will confess, the only reason I like to bear my testimony is because I got to talk into the microphone. That was it. Well, that was your start of being a radio and a podcast started. Yep. Uh, that's the only reason I get, I went up and did it. Like Back then, they had the, uh, where I live, they had the people pass around the mic. And I will tell you this story. My mom asked me if I wanted to bear my testimony. Ironically enough, it was in 1987, by the way. Probably, oh. I'm guessing it was probably in October, November of 87. Mm -hmm. You want to know what my first thought was? I had a crush on a girl named Dina. <laughs> that's not her real name. Victor. Yeah. That's oh. not her real name, but that's that's what we'll use to protect. You're not going to say her real name. Come on. I'll say it off the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, my first thought was, "Oh, I hope Gina does not think I'm stupid when I bear my testimony." <laughs> that was my only the only thought going through my mind. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Um, okay. But, you know, you could say her name. Maybe she's still single. And uh, no, she's not. I found, I found out she's not. Okay. Okay. Well, you never. These sometimes stories like this happen, you know, like you say your name and you oh, find each other. <laughs> well, I will say this. I had a friend uh, in uh, – we're getting way off topic. We're going to get back on topic here. Bear with me. I had a friend in uh, elementary. He and a few other people used to walk me home from school because my mom was in college. Mm -hmm. So I'd walk home or I'd go to, their, go to my friend's house. And uh, they, they used to bully me. Uh, one kid in particular, fortunately, he moved away to uh, Minneapolis or Indianapolis shortly after. But my mom pulled me aside when I was playing outside in the yard one evening and said, Kevin, Gina's mom called me and she's really upset with how you've been treated by these people. If you're ever bothered by them, go to her house. And I thought, oh, this will give me a chance to see Gina. So what did I do? I would encourage uh -huh. them to bully me so that I could go. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So were you also, were, have you been blind since birth? Yes, I have. Wow. Is, was it like a medical error or just genetics. blind? Oh, genetics? Yeah, it's Nori's How? disease. Yep. Nobody it, knows. What is it called? N-O-R-I-E-S, I think. It, nobody knows what it is. It's. It's a weird Nori's disease. Oh, what it is, but it, yeah, it's it's a not a very well known disease unless you're in the blind community. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got to get back on topic here. What do you think of the uh, of getting rid of home teaching? Uh, we're we're just going to cover all these topics because I've been gone for a year from podcasting. Uh, what do you think of getting rid of home teaching and call it ministering? Oh, wait, before we go there, I want to no, – let, let's do this in order. What do you think of uh, Come Follow Me? Because you said off the podcast you weren't being too successful. I love the Come Follow Me manual, actually, because it's making me study a little bit more, and I'm learning things I didn't know. Oh, no, I'm going to – you're outing me on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I hope I don't lose my church calling. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, no, I, it's just that 
I love the manual. Of, of course, look, everything the church does is amazing. Mm-hmm. And the pictures and the scriptures that they pick out and the thoughtful questions and all of that, it, it's tremendous. And I think it's a, a genius idea. In fact, when you think about it, you finally, you go, what took the church so long to actually finally come up with a manual that everybody has all at the same time? Um, so I, I think it's really good that they're, that they're doing this. And in fact, that they make it easy, they actually put a date of the lesson because sometimes you go, oh, what lesson are we on? There's never any question what lesson that we're on. And so it's just that um, I kind of, when I'm prepared, yeah, it's, it's good to be prepared. I've used it a couple of times. I know they really encourage it. Um, my, I'm an empty nester, and sometimes I just don't want to do religion. <laughs> I've actually. Like, wondered, why do you like it? <laughs> I need. Well, I need to figure out one of the podcasts I plan to do is get a single person on here because I'm wondering how the singles, the young single adults and the mid singles, are doing the Come Follow Me manual. I'd be really interested to find that out, especially those that are not living with parents. Um, yeah, that, that would be very interesting to see their perspective on it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I really have noticed about the Come Follow Me manual, the first day, now I was in uh, Eastern Oregon over Christmas to see one, one of my sisters in uh, Baker. And mm-hmm. um, for those of you that don't know, I, I say Eastern Oregon because there people forget there are two parts of Oregon, the northwest and the eastern half. And, of course, there's a southern part, but everybody pays attention to the northwest Oregon. Yeah. That whole area. They forget that there's eastern Oregon that borders Idaho. And, by the way, eastern Oregon, if you yeah, you've been up there. It's very, very different from Portland. The mentality of eastern Oregon is very different. Uh, eastern Oregon. Yeah, it seems to be almost a little bit hickish, almost. Hippish? I never got that impression. No, hick. Kind of hick, hickish. Oh, hick. hick. Okay. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hayseed. Like kind of hayseed. Yeah, I was yeah. really surprised. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of members in Eastern Oregon. It kind of reminds me of an extension of Utah, actually, even though members are the minority there, but there's enough of us around. Uh, it almost reminds me of an extension of Utah. And it could be just because I'm around members when I go up there. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more conservative than the Portland area. So that's why I say Eastern Oregon, because I have to distinguish the two. But I was up in Eastern Oregon visiting my sister. And I have to admit, and maybe this is why they're doing two-hour church now, uh, because they want the families to spend more time together, which I can actually understand, uh, which is why I'm not upset at the change, even though I personally, like the three-hour block, I get it, because uh, my sister and her husband were talking about goals for the family, because one of the lessons in there is goals. They were talking about goals and they were setting some goals for the family. And I thought, well, I wonder what would happen if we had these kinds of lessons at home. Uh, Maybe some families did, but I think it's going to be forced upon us now as church members to do these kind of lessons. What do you think? Yes, I I think so. 
they they had quite a few meetings. Uh, my husband's in the Sunday School Presidency, so they've really focused on really using the manuals, and I think it's good for for young kids. And so, yeah, it's just see, you're um, you're a young man still. <laughs> well, I, and I, I, I forty, but that you're still like I don't know. I had so much church in my life and, and I love it. You know, of course I don't have issues with it, but I think the older that I get, I'm just like, there's just, I just can't handle a whole lot, but I'll tell you what I do love is I, I mean, I love just immersing myself in scriptures and studying that. That's why I love Sunday school so much because mm-hmm. to, to hear, to hear, um, right from the scriptures there's fascinating stories i loved old testament last year and then i loved uh, church history and the doctrine of covenant and already i've learned new things from the new testament just that i had forgotten about like when the people that prophesied of of jesus and the guy that just after he saw the messiah be born he died things like that yeah. And, and along that same topic, I went to a pro-life rally two Saturdays ago here in Utah. Oh, and, you didn't get beat up, did you? Um, no, not in Where Utah. Make America Great Again hat. <laughs> I nope. I had a sign that oh. said, um, "Kate, you know the Big App that New York City's called the Big Apple, right?" Yep. So it this so this rally came like two days after New York state law where you can kill a baby right up until she is born and i say she because they lit the city in pink which i think is so evil because pink is the color of girls they were celebrating the death of little girls where's the me too movement on that isn't killing a baby isn't that violence and abuse against a, a female so um, I've been just sick to my stomach after this abortion law was passed. And so I made a sign that says, um, it looks just like the logo of New York, the Big Apple, but it says, New York, the Big Abort. And it's in oh. the shape of an apple. Do you get it? Like instead of the Big Apple, now they're the Big Abort, the yeah. Big Abort. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it, it's really... This, I've been on actually. I've been actually very depressed to realize that people kill their their babies and that they have that their conscience allows them to allow somebody else to kill a, a fully grown baby. Yeah, it, it's it's a really dark history in our country. Yeah, well, yeah, it's. Uh... It is. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we are commanded to do in the LDS church is preserve life. And Mm -hmm. one of the good ways that we can help people with their lives and maybe preserve it is ministering. And I say this because I was reading a conference talk today that was discussing the idea of ministering, which we are going to get into now, mm-hmm. uh, where somebody 
Ah, uh, sister, I can never pronounce the last name. It was in the Sunday morning session of the October General Conference. She was talking about a friend of hers who was in the elders quorum and noticed uh, somehow he found out or sensed that uh, his, I guess he heard, he heard about this other person's wife attempting to commit suicide. So he invited this other, this, uh, the, the sister who gave the talk, her friend invited this elder in the elders quorum to come have lunch with him and said, no, I heard your wife has attempted suicide a while, a few days ago. And he just openly wept. And the whole point was, you never know what people are going through. And it's very important to minister. So that's why I bring up Maybe as a minister, you can help preserve a life or something. Uh, how do you feel about mm -hmm. the new the church's new change with ministering instead of home teaching? Have you benefited from it? Uh, what do you like? What don't you like about it? Well, okay, you want my honest opinion on that? Like, <laughs> I I'm a hundred percenter. Like now we I know we're not supposed to say like percentages, but. But my whole life, I've, I've been a big believer in visiting teaching. So I, my companion and I, like, we, I mean, 100%, but we've been companions for, I don't know, 15 or more years. And so, but I can't say the same that people, I've, I've had good visiting teachers and people that didn't come. Hmm. So my first impression was, okay, they're just putting lipstick on a pig because a lot of people didn't visit teach and I don't sure the prophet is inspired and and a lot of people rejoiced about it I liked the name visiting teachers because we used to we used to say visiting creatures and then we used to call the <laughs> we used to call the home teachers home tortures I mean just you know fun like that yeah. I guess I'll have to think of something for ministering you know yeah. ministering monsters i don't know <laughs> sinister minister i don't know it's you know how you have to have fun with this stuff but yeah um administering um it's something that i've just kind of always done because my very favorite scripture growing up was on a, a church that i used to attend as a visitor at my mom where my mom was born in a little town called archer idaho and they had a scripture in their chapel and it said Mosiah two seventeen. Do you know that scripture right? Let's see how uh, good you are at scripture. Not off the top of my head. I know I've come across it though. Okay, it's about service. Do you know it now? Oh, when you're in the service of your fellow being, you're in the service of God. Right. Yes, that was so, King Benjamin's conference, yes. So that's always been my favorite scripture and so I've kind of always done it. Because I, it just makes me feel good to be nice. Mm -hmm. So ministering, I've, I've always just wanted to do it because I wanted to do it, not because people told me I had to do it. In our, in my ward, they give reward for service. And I have to be careful. You can say the name of your old crush, but it, that doesn't sit well with me. And and people might like it. They have a um, you keep points of your service that you do, mm -hmm. and they have an auction at the end of the year. And 
for all the service points you've earned, you get to bid on things that people donate. And now they're doing something else with like a charm bracelet. You get charms for doing service. I, what do you think about that? <laughs> they're giving people, who are the, the leaders are giving people charms, service, bracelet yeah. for service? And, yeah, and you get points for, yeah, there's an auction and where is this? I'm not going to say. <laughs> I'm not going to say. But so um, I think that people should just always be nice. So call. I liked the names. It's hard to get used to the new terminology. But I like the concept that we should be always be ministering. Ministering is fun. So it was still, they still, they still call you in though for interviews. Have you been called in for an interview? No, in fact, I was just going to give my two cents on this. Uh, believe it or not, my whole, most of my adult life, very rarely have I had home teachers. Really? So was, well, yeah. that's, wow, I'm, interesting. I'm with you, even in Arkansas, I didn't have any. Of course, it would have been hard to have any because I was living in the dorms of the school and yeah, we'd have to meet right after church or something, but I just... I'm kind of with you, actually, that if we're not doing that well at our home teaching, how are we going to do good at ministering? Because, gosh, I mean, people would come up to me in Arkansas and say hi to me at church, but I never was invited to anything as far as family gatherings that people were having or whatever. And Really? Like your whole life, you didn't really have home teachers that... Well, as a kid, but I'm talking my whole adult life, I never... I rarely have had home teachers, and then, you know, in Arkansas, where there's not very many of us as far as church members, you only see somebody on Sunday because, uh, I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just being real, people aren't right. going to invite you to go hang out with their family. People aren't going to invite you over for dinner. People aren't going to do a lot of things that maybe they would do if they knew you good in Utah or something like that. It just doesn't happen. And I, when I heard the announcement, I thought, well. I thought they would do that in Arkansas, maybe be a little bit more nope. party-party party like thought. that. Nope. <laughs> um, I think part of it was because they figured, oh, he's blind, he's going to school. How do we deal with him? I, I really think that was the case. and it was. Yeah, but you're uh, blind. I bet people are a little... They don't know how to deal with blind people. That's what I think. I mean, I don't know. Well, I also think, too, because I was going to school, they, I don't know, but they just, I mean, I just kind of felt like I was there at church, and I went because I believe in the doctrine, but I told people if I didn't have a testimony of the church, I would have gone inactive in Arkansas. Really? Uh, yes, because... Huh. Is Utah better than uh, in Arkansas? Well, I think so. But again, I'm a little biased because I like Utah. And I'm a little biased. Because, and I, in all fairness, I spent a good 20 years in Utah. So I'm still pretty well known in parts of you know West Jordan or whatever. So I, I'm coming from mm -hmm. that vantage point. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was... 
You know, that's one of the reasons why I used to go to the Baptist church services on Sunday night with a friend of mine, because I felt like I actually wanted to talk to that was not at the school and knew a lot of him and his wife. His wife knew a lot about Arkansas. I just felt like I could talk to his wife. I mean, obviously the husband was there. We weren't going off fornicating or whatever. Uh, but I just felt like I could talk to his wife <laughs> mm-hmm. about Arkansas, get information right. about things, people I knew. Well, not necessarily, but just about the state. That's why. And sometimes uh, we went out to dinner after the church service or whatever, even on even in the evenings. We'd go out to dinner once. We went out to dinner at 9 o'clock. That's just what they did. It was normal. So, yeah, it... So I guess I like it in principle, but is it going to be applied? That has yet to be seen. Now, I've heard a talk today and uh, listening to some conference talks and saying, oh, we're pleased with the report that we're getting from stakes around the world. I thought, yeah, they're not going to report any real information in conference because they want it to look good. That's like saying the church is growing in leaps and bounds. Well, that might be true. But it's certainly not true here in the States, I don't think. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not true here in the States. A lot of people falling away, maybe in third world countries. They're not going to tell you that at conference, though, are they? They're just going to tell you some numbers and make you feel good. But once you dig down, the numbers aren't always what you think, are they? Um, no, they're not. But we can still be. Um, we can still feel good that like I was saying earlier, even with three-hour church, that was when the the church's greatest growth was. So I think that you're on to something about people, as much as I've prayed for a two-hour church, you know, it still is, it seems like you're leaving early. Mm -hmm. And so like people are, like they still talk. The changes, there's not as many prayers, there's not as many songs um, with musical numbers. They, they want to make more room for the speakers. So I think yeah. we're just all going to have to rely on our own personal. We really have to become spiritually sustainable on our own. Oh, and yeah. So, but home teaching, you know, like I, it's funny because the, the thing that's funny, we, it's really like there's not even home teacher jokes. We always used to joke, you know, like, the two guys were bragging, like, I always do my home teaching on the first day of the month. Oh, yeah. And the, and the other guy said, that's nothing. I do mine on the day before that. Oh. You get it? Like, <laughs> so, so, I mean, those are kind of funny home teaching jokes. And it's, yeah. even in, like, Mormon movies, they have the joke the home teachers are shoving cookies in, in the slot, you know? Yeah. So, and then I, my home teacher, like, he's awesome. Like, he brings... Um, for conference, he'll bring over a big bag. He'll call it a conference kit, and it'll be like pancakes and waffles and pop, Dr. Pepper, Jeez. stuff to get through conference. And he'll, um, like, he really spoils us. And so it's funny at church, like, he'll say, I we, we always play this game. It counts. So he'll be driving down the road, and I'll wave at him, and I'll go, you can count that. You know, because we always <laughs> wanted to make sure we got our numbers in. Yeah. And so one time I was at In-N-Out getting a hamburger mm-hmm. and I looked through and he, he was at the drive through window and he said, hi. And I go, hey, you can count that. <laughs> so, 
So That's even good. though like we're not supposed to think that like you can count it, but still I think just to be nice to people, but from what I've heard, um the in in my word that people really haven't been doing it. <laughs> so oh, maybe no, you know, maybe there it's again I think it's like we we have to do this on our own because we want to, but we're still held accountable. So I'll tell you like it's it's more workload now for the Relief Society presidency and the elders quorum because I, I don't know how the elders quorum, I think they do it the same, but now instead of having visiting teaching supervisors, the the Relief Society presidency does it. They call us in mm -hmm. and they meet with us instead of having the supervisor call and say every month, did you do your home teaching? Did you do your visiting teaching? So we still we're still being held accountable even though we we don't get the call every month. So I don't know, he was inspired, so obviously there's a point, a purpose to it, but. Well, it was. You don't even get him, so. Didn't he say, take your vitamin C because there's more coming? I, I know that there's going to be more changes this coming conference. I don't know what, but I know that there will be. Um, what did I think? What did I think that might be? Um, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe more um, church service missionaries. Because, like, what are they going to do in these countries like Venezuela where there's big upheavals? I don't know. I don't know, but you know what uh, I think is coming? And you're starting to see it already in places like Alaska is online church. It's coming. Oh, oh, really? Yep, I think Places it's Places that are far away to go? Wow. Yep. I think that, uh, now I don't know how they do it in Utah, but I think online church is going to be the norm in the next 10 to 20 years, maybe even five years. And I'm saying this because a friend of mine that I talked to that attended church, uh, an LDS church service online, it's coming. I wonder how you would do that with Skype or something. I don't yeah, know. Well, yeah, you do it through what we're doing, like right now on Zoom. Or you just download the Zoom app and enter the PIN number, call in. And I don't know what they do when you have to take the sacrament, but it is coming. Well, I wonder. I can't imagine that. I'm going to have to say I don't think they're going to do that because they need to have. You need to see people. I don't know. Yeah, but if you think about it, when you're in Venezuela, well, I don't know, because they're going to be, but when you're in places where there's not very many of us, or even in Little Rock or whatever, I can oh, really see. Oh, how far away was your church? Not very, but again, where there's not many of us or whatever, I could see online online church coming. Now, it's, it's okay, it's not going to be announced at this conference. Don't worry, folks. It will not, but I'm just saying you'll be seeing more church, more online wards meeting at some point. It is coming. That's, well, that's interesting. I want, what else do you think they might do? I'd like to see them get rid of singles wards. Really? Yes. Why? Don't, why do you, I mean, isn't that easier to find single people? Nope. Really? I'm 39 and still single. Go figure. Of course, there's many reasons for that. We're not going to get into right now, but yeah. Well, here's the here's the issue, and we'll get into another topic as soon as we're done with this one. 
I see a lot of mid-singles. I'm talking people from 31 to 45 acting like they never got out of high school. Let me give you an example. Uh, guys or girls or both? Both. Probably more so hmm. guys, but I think girls are probably <laughs> guilty. Uh -huh. I went to a mid-singles gathering back in October of 2015. And... It was so juvenile, the conversation that I was hearing. Really? Yeah, let's, I don't know who said what, so we're just going to make up names. Uh, Tom Rollins. That's a good LDS church name, isn't it? Tom Rollins. Yeah, no, it would be more like Bernard would be the Mormon name. Just kidding. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> Joseph so, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, Tom Rollins okay. went up to, uh, was just standing there and his friend David came up to him and said, Tom, what are you up to this weekend? Now I'm changing names to protect the innocent. I, I honestly do not remember who said was, but the conversation did happen. So David comes up, Tom, what's up? I'm just looking through the LDS tools app to find out who I want to ask out this weekend. Oh, oh my gosh. I had a bad, ex and uh, Tom goes on to say, I had a bad experience with a girl in the ward this weekend, on uh, last weekend on a date. David says, who? And Tom says, I'll show you in the app, or I'll tell you later. And David says, can you show me in the app? Now, it just sounded so juvenile. First of all, it reminded me of a high school conversation. Oh, I'm looking through the yearbook because I'm yeah. talking to somebody. I'm looking through the yearbook. Oh, and I, oh, by the way, I had a bad experience with this person, and it just reminded me, and I'm thinking, come on, guys, we're almost 40. We're well out of our 20s. Do we really need to be acting this way? And I see, I saw it a lot in these mid-singles wards. So I think if we're talking about, plus think of it this way, too. If we're talking, if we're going to be a church about family values, don't you think it's time to desegregate the singles and put everybody together? If we're really serious about family values, I think it's time to desegregate everybody. What do you think? Well, that makes sense. And, and I got to tell you something that made me cry about singles words. I, I, I had them in college, you know, and that's in testimony meeting always started to get kind of gross when they get with people would get engaged and they'd be all like I just love my fiance he's so special and handsome and like oh please you know but so but you know after you get, get to be a certain age I I've been to them with I have friends and cousins that aren't married and and I I did feel that like it's weird not hearing little kids and you look around and I wonder like do these people feel weird like do they feel um like odd they're not married so anyway i'm kind of a social butterfly wherever i go so there's a lady that works at the dollar tree and she's single and so we were just talking and she said that she went to the singles ward and she called it the island of the misfit toys and oh, gosh i i literally i mean i'm gonna cry now thinking about it I started crying and I said, no, you're not. You're not the island of misfit toys. And she goes, well, that's what we feel like. And I go, you're not. You just didn't find a person to marry. Or if they, if they married before and, and they're not, and they're single again, I'm like, you're not. 
I want you to understand that you still have purpose in life and that you can contribute to society. And I, I don't know how anybody is single well, past 30 in the state the of Utah. Yeah, because of the behavior I've seen in Singles Ward, I completely understand where your friend's coming from because it ends up being a meat market of some sort. And then everybody's really superficial. Oh, I don't like her because she has red hair. Oh, I don't like her because a birthmark is on her face. And the list goes on. Well, I've heard that. My mom would always tell me, don't worry, boys will grow up after they get out of high school. But they didn't. Uh, maybe that was <laughs> they true still... your day, but not now. No, it's it's not. It wasn't. Like, no, when are they going to quit being superficial, you know? Yeah, and uh, I, I really think, and I've thought long and hard about this. This is an issue that I'm sensitive to. I think in many ways, and I hate to say this as a practicing Latter-day Saint, I think the singles wards have done us a great disservice. Maybe there's been, obviously, there's been very good experiences from singles wards, but I think as a whole, they've done the church a great disservice, especially the singles. What do you think? I've I've never thought about this before, just because it, it's so, like, they want people to get married, and so they think, well, let's put them all together, and then they can find each other easier. But I know that there's yeah, a but, lot of people that go ward hopping to find yeah. the best looking or, you know, and then, so a lot of people don't even stay in the same ward because they, they're just looking around. That, and you've got people who, uh, you've got people who just want to stay, who just want, who don't want to get married because they like the ward, they like the people. It just becomes a big social scene. And don't get me wrong, folks. I, I have my issues with dating and all that. I am, I'm not interested in dating for different reasons, but uh, you just get these people. All they want to do is hang out. That's, that's all they seem to care about. Mm-hmm. And so it just becomes like an extension of high school. It's ridiculous. I think the church has done us a great disservice. Well, you know, that is true. I remember my daughters were dating and, and they, they didn't go on dates. They would just go, are you going out tonight? No, we're going to go hang out. And they got really lazy. And I would just, I would get so angry every time she would come home. And I, I would get home at, you know, one or two in the morning. And I would say, did any man follow you home? Did, did some guy make sure you got home safely? Oh, no, mom, guys don't do that anymore. But growing up in my day, it, it was, you see the girl to the door you you have chivalry and you make sure that she gets to the door safely and not very many people do that anymore and i think it's really sad it's interesting you bring that up because uh, i talked to a guy in my early 20s he was my mentor and this one i will give his real name because he's well known in the blind community ron gardner that's his real name he was oh. my mentor go go google him i'm not giving out any i'm yeah, his name's out there. Ron mm-hmm. Gardner, just Google Ron Gardner, Utah. He's out there. He was my mentor, and uh, I was er, earlier. I was telling you I didn't have the best relationship with my dad in my early twenty, well, my twenties. But Ron Gardner was like a father figure to me. He told me, well, he didn't tell me. We were in a seminar for blind people, and of course, being in Utah, dating had to come up. 
you just don't get around a student seminar without talking about dating in Utah. You can't. Right. Um, so dating came up, and Ron Gardner said, when I went on dates, because he was blind, he said, when I was on dates, I couldn't follow the girl home. I told her, give me a call. When you get home, I want to know that you made it safe. So it's interesting that you did that. Now, when I had a girlfriend years and years ago, I guess, what, about 10 years ago, nine years ago, uh, I did just That's that. That's too long. Okay. What What did you do? Just text her to make sure she got home? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. I just say, go, just call me when you get home. Because I had a cell phone, so it didn't matter. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I wanted to call her because I wanted to hear her voice anyway. So it worked yeah. out. Yeah. But it's I, interesting that you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. I, and she would just, I just gave up asking because nobody, saw her to the door and my daughter's a hot little blonde driving a little red car and I would just get so angry that the guys didn't have enough chivalry and care enough about my daughter that after they all got through hanging out that they would let her drive home. I was a tour guide at Temple Square um, for years and before they had the full-time missionaries and I worked I was married and I worked with married men and they always, when we walked, they they would walk me to my car and they would make sure that I got in my car. And some would even follow me out of, of to, until the freeway exit. And my husband appreciated wow. it and didn't think anything. But it's just a chivalry thing that guys just, you know, pr they're protective of women. And we need to still have that mm -hmm. to keep society safe and to be functioning is that guys need to respect a woman. Yeah. And be a protector. It's the way men are supposed to be wired, and it's what makes them get married and provide and go to war, and so they can have. The Book of Mormon said it, you know, in honor of our rent the the uh, what is that called? The flat title of liberty for our God and for our families. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into a couple more changes, uh, and then I think we'll have to end this podcast. But um, I plan to be back next week. Oh, by the way, do you know who Stan Ellsworth is? Um, should I? Well, yes, but I didn't know who he was until la uh, a few months ago either. So, yeah, we should, but just because he's on BYU TV. We have oh, to love okay. BYU TV, you know. It's the Lord's station. We have to love it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Stan Ellsworth um, was a guy on uh, BYU TV who did uh, the American Ride, where he'd ride on his motorbike to different places and talk about them. And he has a very raspy oh. voice. Oh, I think and, he might have been the... Um, the host at the pro-life rally is he going to be your guest i'm trying to get him to be my guest because uh, i know somebody that knows him so i'm hoping to get him oh. on. yeah I, he just, if you get him on ask him if he was the host at the um the pro the pro-life march at, at the utah state capitol okay uh yeah he rides a i think he rides a harley i don't know what he looks like i think he's a native american i think um hmm. anyway uh, I'm trying to get him on, but uh, all right, folks, I debated whether I want to talk about this, but I do. We're not going to get into 
the nitty gritty because we shouldn't, you know, the hmm. things that go on, the it's ceremonies. Surprise but, for me. Okay. They did change the wording in the LDS temple ceremonies. Now we're not going to, don't worry folks. We're not going to talk about what you wear. We're not going to talk about all the things that go on. We're just generic. What do you think of that? The, the um, changes. We, we've got to be generic, but you went through it. Maybe you can describe, uh, I mean, without getting into detail, because it's <laughs> subject. I don't know. I'll let, you, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you take it from here. However, well, have you seen the new ceremony? Have you been in the new I ceremony? I haven't yet, no. Okay. I haven't, okay, embarrassingly, I've got a lot of, going to get me in trouble here. But I haven't been to it yet. But I, I heard, I read about it in the Salt Lake Tribune. Can you believe that? I believe, read the you know, the Salt Lake Tribune. Day. I actually think does better reporting than the Deseret News. Oftentimes, I actually am a well, fan of the Tribune. Believe it or not. Yeah, I I think it's good for people to read local newspapers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I I actually, if I want to know what's going on in the state legislature, I'm going to the Tribune. Um, yeah, well, the Deseret News, I have to say, like, I've been in both papers quite a few times, so, um, I, I can't show favoritism, but, but, the, but that's where I read about it. And so when I read about it, like, I, I've never, maybe it's because I, I grew up, I was born in 1963. So women's labor, you know, was kind of happening then, but it didn't really ever bug me. I just, I don't mind I've just never felt second class as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, like, I've really felt more first class because I'm thinking, like, God loves women more than he loves men because men get these, they hold the priesthood, so they kind of have to, you know, not kind of, they have to be worthy of priesthood, you know, to hold the priesthood. and they. They carry kind of the burden of of blessings and, you know, kind of having that big example of being of like a kind of a perfect male type. And, and, and they have most of the meetings, you know, like the bishopric, like, oh, my gosh, who'd want to even do that? My husband was in a bishopric once, you know, and it was like meetings, meetings all the time. So I have felt that God loves women more and not less at all. And so. I just need a bigger microphone to try to convince women that that we don't ever have to feel second rate to men ever because in the temple women officiate in all the same ceremonies that men officiate in um with the blessings and you know what I'm talking about yeah. mm -hmm. and and the the head relief society by the way it's the world's largest female organization. It, it's unrivaled. So, so talk about you know you could I guess you could call a Relief Society president the the head of a, a chapter of the Relief Society of the World Relief Society International. So every Relief Society president is a chapter president really, and the things that the women do, they're in charge of of making sure that women's needs are met and women for the most part, I think are drama 
And I, I would never, I would, I just, I don't want to be really society president ever because well, for, for I those, don't have patience. Okay, we were kind of dancing around the subject. I, okay, uh, the wording is, and this one, this we can talk, you know, people make, you're talking about the husbands and wives, you know, the women. Yeah, I don't know if you should say, don't say anything, don't say anything. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but and so, um, so, and so do people in the temple. Making I, why? Like to God? Yeah, this is, well, I'll I'll get into that just a yeah. little. Yeah. I um, I haven't been yet, but I but I've heard that people that have been there like they're loving it, and I do know that it's shorter, and I guess it's increasing temple attendance. So, um, to me, I just like the fact that it's not as long. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, like, I'm not a women's liver, but I am a strong female member of the church mm-hmm. and nobody tells me what to do. And I've, I've always felt empowered. So I guess, you know, like, I guess well, I you know, women give prayers is, now and go ahead. I, well, I think the problem is, is, uh, and I've seen this with people I know. I agree with you, Janelle, but with people I know, you know, there's there's a population that seems to have this mentality. And I saw it more when I was a kid. I don't see it so much now because I think society has changed in this way for the better. You know, oh, I've got the, I have the priesthood. I can, I made the final decision maker. And, you know, there probably were, I would think, men who took advantage of that and controlled the situation probably uh, i would even go as far as say abused the situation we've heard stories oh yeah totally there's totally a lot of that and so i can see why the women of today might actually feel liberated from the changes of the wording and plus you've got Mm -hmm. to remember the the feminist movement a lot of young women want to be independent now they don't want to be homemakers and yes that includes women in the church um i i we can go off on that another time but i think the point is because people have abused it in the past i think that's why you're seeing women becoming more independent and the other issue is the whole feminist movement uh yeah what do you think well i i probably know a little bit more about that issue than you <laughs> um i i, I guess it'll well, make let them me just say this better uh i come i i i am from parents my dad was on the end of this uh, this uh generation where it was not cool for a man to change diapers uh, I remember that my brothers and brothers-in-law didn't was change not diapers, cool. and, and they so, made fun of my husband for changing diapers. So yeah, yeah. So we've gotten away, and that actually, in my opinion, is a good thing because I like the idea of people sharing equal responsibility in a marriage. Now that doesn't mean men and women have to do everything together. It just means, okay. If my wife is out, uh, let's just say my wife is a political activist advocating for gun rights or something. I'm home. The kids are with me. Hey, I've got to cook. 
that's you know men just didn't men would rely on their wives to do the cooking beforehand and say here's the meal warm it up in the microwave no it's different now and i actually think that that's a good thing what do you i think that's partly this whole thing yeah i can i i can't relate because i i'm not i i was i'm not married to a, a um a jerk he doesn't come home and say what's for dinner and i am a political activist for mm-hmm. gun rights <laughs> very much so and 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 a lot of days you know like i'm just i'll be on it's just being a political activist is really the hardest thing that i've ever done mm-hmm. and by the way being a, a member of the church helped prepare me to be a political activist how to stand up for things that you believe in and so I've had to learn how to, to be pretty tough, but I, it, it's hard for me to relate, but I can understand. I've had so many men try to destroy me that I, I can see how, if I wasn't married to a nice guy, I would probably think that all men are jerks. Cause well, I don't know if you know, but I, you know, I was sued by, by temple going men for $1.7 million because mm-hmm. I went to city council meetings. And they did everything in their power to destroy me. Well, so. here's the thing. Um, back to my experience, like I said, my dad grew up in the tail end, and he definitely had this mentality. I shouldn't have to change mm-hmm. diapers because I'm a man, and heaven forbid a man do such yeah. a thing. That's not cool. And so right. then, you know, when my mom, my mom was a teacher, sometimes she'd be out late at night correcting papers or whatever. I'd say, Dad, what's for dinner? I don't know. Wait for mom to show up. Oh, it's getting late. Really? It's so funny. And wow. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that that particular aspect. It's like, <laughs> kind of like, I don't know how to cook or, yeah. Yeah, and then my dad would give me flack about warming up my own dinner because, hey, mom's not home. Why are you doing that? We, we don't know what she's going to have us. Well, I'm hungry. and. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't went believe it. On on. And I, anyway. so in that respect, I actually think the women's liberation back in the 60s got rid of a lot of that. I, and that's a good thing in my book. Yeah, I do believe that. Yeah, I think there's a, quite a few men that are pretty helpless. And they're that probably so men in their 60s and 70s are still, uh, you know, I, I would probably call them a bit chauvinistic or they very traditional and they don't think they have to wash dishes or anything like that yeah i i'm okay i'll admit i would love to be married to a woman that loves cooking and i'd love to come home to a hot meal and all that but gosh you know what we're in the 21st century we're so mobile uh gosh darn it janelle you know what i might come home and hey dinner's not ready oh that means i have to cook my own dinner is that such a bad thing no (laughs) <laughs> no, but I, women, we feel guilt if we don't have it, you know, because it's just, but, so, yeah, it's, yeah, we're just, yeah. Uh, one more it, change I want to get in, unless you had something to add to that. Oh, uh, no, no I probably, one of the, one of the reasons I, I actually do sympathize a little bit with independent women a little bit is just because of my own personal experience growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick here, and uh, I have to get going, and 
I'm sure you do too. What is your opinion of? Whoa, that's gone by fast. Wow. Yeah, uh, are we been on an hour or more than an hour? Oh, we've been on here for two hours. Oh my gosh! Wow, how oh, did that wait, happen? Wait, we started at uh, yeah, two hours. Oh wow, um, wow! Let's it see. I guess about an hour and, and a half. So. Um, but real quick, uh, what do you think of? doing away with the word Mormons and calling ourselves Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. It's going to take a long time for us to embrace this because in Arkansas, nobody knows except for members, maybe friends of members. Nobody knows what the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints is. So I constantly have to tell them I'm a Mormon. Wow. Uh -huh. as the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Uh-huh. Uh, so this change is not going to come overnight, believe me. And by the way, I was on the church's website today getting something. The Mormon newsroom, the Mormon channel. Uh, what do you think of this change? Because I definitely have opinions about it. The the Mormon channel? No, no, no. The, um, the whole change. We're not supposed to use the word Mormon anymore. But, oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah, they even, it's now the choir is... Um, the choir at Tabernacle Square. Which I think was silly. We could change it to something better. But anyway. I, you know what? He's a new president, and some of the presidents have, you know, really tried to get us to stop saying Mormon. And they weren't very successful. And I just remember finally President Hinckley said, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's how we live our lives. But this president feels really strongly that, that Jesus is offended when we don't use his name. So I don't know. Like, well, if it's you can tell, like, I'm struggling during this whole conversation. Well, it's interesting because so. um, the word Mormon, you know, was like calling a black person the N-word initially. It was not a nice term. We just happened to adopt it and use mm -hmm. it and turn it into a good term. But uh, it was a slur against members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints in the beginning. And President Nelson alluded to that in his talk. The thing that bothers me is, uh, remember back in 2001, there was a letter read, read over the pulpit that we weren't supposed to use the word Mormon anymore. And at that time, I was on board with it because it made sense. But then, many years later, we went right back to it. Not only did we go back to it, but we spent a whole lot of money promoting the word Mormon. You've got Meet the Mormons, the Mormon Channel, the Mormon News. Yeah. That's yeah. what bothers me about this whole thing is we spent so much money promoting this word. Oh, we can't use it anymore. Okay, then why didn't we stick with it back in 2001 before we started doing all these things? Why didn't we stick with it then? And that people wouldn't do it. Yes, I don't know. Mormon, and that—that's what bothers me. I do understand, though, where President Nelson is coming from. Uh, I, I do. He gave a very compelling talk, and I understood it. But plus, did you know that President Nelson? Well, you know, President Nelson knows Mandarin Chinese. Um, I what? Gosh. I probably did, but I forgot. But now I remember. Why, how does he know that? I listened to another podcast called, oh, mm -hmm. do I dare say it? The Mormon News Report. 
you oh. want to, I don't agree with everything that's said on that podcast, but gosh, if you want to know what's happening, listen to that podcast. Uh, Jenny Newman Dye and Brant Malone do a very good job of keeping up of what's happening. You may not agree with everything they say. They are pretty liberal, but they definitely do a good job at telling us what's happening. And uh, yeah, that's why I learned it. But apparently, the word Mormon in Mandarin Chinese is, I can't remember what word, but it's very close to a bad word in Chinese. Oh, well, really? I think I remember hearing something about that. Yeah. yeah. So it would make sense in a way that President Nelson, knowing Chinese, and he's really trying to get the church in China, I can tell, that would make sense that we're trying to get rid of the word. It just bothers me. We spent so much money promoting the word. And now we, we, I just keep asking the question, why did we not enforce it in 2001? Because it would have been a whole lot easier. <clears throat> well, I think part of that was for the Olympics. They wanted to kind of make sure that people know. It's because people, it, it's because here, here's what I believe a sign of God's true church is, is that it will have his name on it. We are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And did you know that the the is capitalized? The, we are the church. And I, I, I really hit home when I was helping to write a book. Did, did you know there's a book? I had to buy you an audio book. Did, did you know about my book? No. Um, yeah. So speaking of strong conservative Mormon women, um, a, a reporter, so, so if I'm kind of a traditional Mormon woman, and he wanted to write a story about strong conservative Mormon women, so he wrote a book about me. It's called Slapped. It's S-L-A-P-P-E-D. It's a novel based on a true story by Paul Swinton. He interviewed me for four years to get the story. And so I... In, in the book, my name is Jessica. It's 99% true. We just changed the names. Mm -hmm. So in editing the book, it's a very in-depth look at the, the, to describe it, it's about two Mormon housewives that try to save open space and they're promptly sued by developers for $1.7 million. Tell me this. Yeah, this is sounding familiar. So, okay, so... So in that book, we mention the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because we go to church every week. And a lot of what we had to deal with was learning how to forgive when you're talking about what's important, listening to the Lord and forgiving. I had to learn how to forgive people that lied about me under oath and that um, that put their hand on a Bible and told lies about me and made my life really difficult. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I hadn't, I had not been ca um, capitalizing the on church. I just had little T like mm -hmm. the church, capital C. And I looked it up and like, no, it is capital T-H-E. It's the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I think that, that it's just been lost in calling us Mormons. And because what I think is so awesome about being a member of the church is that I have a lot of friends that are Christians and I love them and they have the right to go 
church that they want, mm-hmm. but they'll, they don't bear the name of Christ. Not even the largest Christian religion, the Catholics, doesn't even bear God's name. Not even Methodists, Lutherans, I'll, you know, I'll just say the obvious, the Baptists that you were talking about. Yeah. They don't have the name of Christ. There might, there, I think there's like the, the Church of Christ, but nothing is actually the Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think that's the reason why. But I don't think that we need to be made feel guilty. Like, in, you know, conversations with fellow Mormons, I don't, yeah. it's just, you know, we're always going, the Church of Jesus Christ is already saying, you know, I don't, I, I think we just need to be really careful when we're talking to new people to, to say that, to make sure that they know. Yeah, Um, and I agree with you. And and again, I understand the logic of President Nelson. It was really compelling. Uh, I just don't understand why we couldn't have stuck with it in 2001. But anyway, um, very compelling. And it's going to take a long time for all of us to adapt fully to the change just because so many people know us as Mormons. And so it could take... Well, it's like anything else that's new. It could take a generation or two, wouldn't it, to to debunk that word, or for lack of a better word. I don't know if debunk is the right word, but to change it. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. We shouldn't be made, we shouldn't feel guilty for using the word Mormon, but we should, and I try to tell people, yeah, we're also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, uh-huh. It's interesting because I rarely used the word Mormon on my missionary, on my mission, unless I was talking about the Book of Mormon. We weren't, there was a, seemed to be this unspoken rule. We weren't supposed to use the word Mormon on our mission. It, it, it's interesting. Oh. Hmm. And I think that was just to get the name out there. So uh, President Nelson definitely uh, has a point. Yeah, I, I think he does, for sure. Yeah. Well, Jana Lee, it's been great. I will publish this podcast a little bit later tonight, and you have a great week. What do you have coming up this week? Anything interesting? Um, yes, there's a Utah Women's Forum. I, I heard uh, Burgess Owen speak. Do you remember that he's a I'm trying he's to get him on too. Black. He, he. Oh, you are. I am. Yeah. He. Um. He's black, and he. You know, he won a Super Bowl at the radio radars, rate radars, <laughs> the Raiders. But he. I was just. He. I'm speechless. He was so good. Is that. He just educated us about a lot of biases that we have about black people, and and he also says the same thing that his ancestors would have been ashamed that any any one of his black people would say they're a victim because a man doesn't say they're a victim you Mm -hmm. kevin i've never heard you play the victim card and you're blind i've never heard you ever want to complain about being blind and and that's what he was saying too so he spoke uh, monday there's a rally against um the ex-president of mexico felipe calderon he's going to be here and uh, a friend of mine. Oh no, Vincente Fox, actually. Oh, and yes, so president of Mexico. He's going to be here, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go boycott him. There's a group of us, 
but a friend of mine um, who was nominated for Assistant Secretary of State, he's speaking Monday. So, and then there's just a lot of, uh, like at the legislature, the red flag gun laws, we're gonna try to take, uh, take away guns for if people think that you're violent, a, a judge can have a police officer come take your guns for your home. That is completely evil and it's against our constitution. So it's, I don't know, like there's always something to be fighting. So. Absolutely. Well, you have a good week. Uh, I know we'll keep in touch and uh, actually stay on with me just a few, a minute or two if you can uh, when the podcast ends. But for those of you listening to the podcast, have a great week, everyone. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Absolutely.